The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This is another edition of Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. And general manager and legend, Pat Levine, is in studio with us here today on a Hall of Fame Sunday. Twins trying to sweep the Royals. A lot of balls in the air, a lot of news coming out, and the perfect man to discuss any and all of it. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. Let's start because it is Hall of Fame week, and you had Joe Nathan in Texas, and we're part of the group that uh, brought him in. That was a pretty easy decision, the way yeah. he, he can throw the ball. Uh, kind of cool uh, to reconnect with Joe yesterday and watch the reception here. Tremendous, tremendous. You know, he was uh, he was a huge part of the success that we had in Texas. It was actually the first time that we had ever really invested in a closer, and he really rewarded us. Scared the hell out of us, I will say that. The first outing in spring training, I think he was throwing 86 miles an hour. And, That's never uh, changed. <laughs> right. <like> <laughs> it's, and then we heard the folklore that that was every year in Minnesota. But what a tremendous career he had. And when you hear Michael Kadir just read the numbers, and I know he was downplaying those very same numbers in his speech yesterday, you just realize the, the magnitude of impact that Joe had on this franchise for such a long period of time. I also, when I hear that, wish. Michael Kodire could just speak for me all the time. Like, if I have to have a tough conversation with the kids or if I need to call home, like, can I just plug Kodire in and have him do it? Because he'd probably be better at it. Well, you know, it's uh, it's funny you say that because he was one of our first hires when we got here. Michael Kodire and Torrey Hunter and Latroy Hawkins. Uh, and now we've added Justin Morneau and we may have more to come. Uh, but those guys have provided such great counsel for us and such great perspective and really uh, no better time than at the trade deadline uh, that they are able to give us great insights into how players would impact not only the performance on the field, but maybe even more importantly, the chemistry in the clubhouse. Yes, yeah, so, and they have the recency too, and they have uh, they have information and ways to get information that, that you couldn't possibly get or, or anybody else. So that is a tremendous use of resources. Let's talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk in our second segment about kind of the overarching hot air balloon view of the trade deadline and how this year might have been different. But let's talk with specifics and especially the news today that Sam Dyson now has to go on the injured list. Normally you'd say, oh, it happens. It happens to a lot of pitchers. But because he just was acquired, I think people are probably wondering, like, how does this work? Are there procedures in place? Was he damaged goods? Did it, you know, did the box fall off the truck before it got delivered uh, to the office? How does that process work from your end? Right. You know, and I don't know to what extent the plums were bruised when we got them here. Uh, if the box fell off the truck, we had. Uh, so when you're making trades at the deadline, I think one thing that fans should realize is about a handful of years ago, Major League Baseball implemented a medical database, and our medical staff is obligated to input every single thing they do with players into this database. And it's meant to create some transparency when you're creating, when you're having trades in player acquisitions. Now, when you make a trade, you, you really can't do a physical of a player because practically that just wouldn't work. If we submitted one of our players for a physical to another team and then for whatever reason the deal didn't go through, he now knows he was going to be traded. The industry now knows that it was probably voided because of a physical, and I think there's multiple levels of compromise there that you would never want to engage in. So instead we have this database, and the database includes all the information that we should know about a player when you're acquiring them, and the, and the training staffs exchange that information before trade we, in this instance, are three minor league players that we traded, and, and then uh, Sam Dyson. And so we had some of this information beforehand. 
as fans can probably appreciate, anybody who's uh, accumulated the innings that he has this year is getting some sort of treatment. Almost every pitcher has something in their medical file at this time of year. It's up to both teams to assess the severity of it. The reality is he had been pitching for them with some level of frequency. We're hopeful that this is nothing more than a 10 to 14 day DL where he gets to catch his breath, calm down some inflammation he has in his bicep tendon, and he's right back at him and serving the role that we had aspired him to. And, and at that point, uh, I think we'd be very happy with that outcome. But we're still certainly exploring that, and we're having conversations with Sam, and he's shedding a lot of light on the situation. And you know Sam from Texas, too, so I would think that would make it probably easier to have those conversations. I, I think so. You know, I think we have a relationship, and, you know, I always try to walk a fine line. I would like to consider some of these guys as friendly or friends in some regards. But we developed a nice rapport. When I was in Texas, we acquired him from Miami, uh, and then he became a huge part of the successful bullpens on that team uh, as they made playoff runs in, in the, the 14, 15, 16 seasons. And, and he was a, a dynamite performer for us there, and that was part of the impetus for the acquisition was what I knew he could bring to a clubhouse in addition to the success that was clear on the mound. First thing he told us when we talked to him was that he thought you traded for him because you wanted to play basketball <laughs> against him. So did he beat you in one-on-one or something? Like, uh, I think there's more trash talking than actual basketball played. Uh, one year in Texas, they had a in spring training. There were 64 players in camp, and so they had a free throw shooting competition amongst the 64. And so there was like a, a March a, Madness. Exactly, there was the a March bit. Madness bracket. All the front office uh, nerdlingers like myself were trading these guys as we were drafting them <laughs> and trading them. So I think I may have been owning uh, some stock in Sam Dyson at one point and was really pushing him to excel. Uh, Ironically, the guy who won it all was Hanser Alberto, a Dominican Republic uh, utility player who had never played basketball before. And the reason he won is because he employed an air horn very strategically against his opposition uh, when he was playing against him. Not Nelson Cruz, who was on the national team. Right, exactly well, right. What, what, I would say whoever was picking the Dominican Republic national team <laughs> right. needs to reevaluate their process. The air horn should have been factored yeah. in more. Get the air horn in Alberto instead of, of, of Nelson Cruz. You mentioned a few things there that I don't want to let him just drift away. One about... Um, the, the medical files and the sharing and the physicals. That came up with the Orioles a couple times, didn't mm -hmm. it, where the, the player literally was traded and then the trade was voided or the signing right. was voided with the Orioles. And then again with the Padres in terms of maybe some misleading information in that database. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think the, the database has evolved so tremendously over the last years, uh, as Major League Baseball has done a really nice job of regulating it, uh, and it has become so much more transparent uh, I think, you know, back in the day, we all had our own medical files on players. And then when you made trades, you shared with the other team what you felt was most important to share, i.e. the things that were probably most acute, but the, the kind of mundane daily things you weren't sharing. I think teams now want to know what those mundane daily things are. Because so they, they could lead to, to, to chronic more, things. So, something more significant. And certainly... Uh, to take a half step away from this trade specifically, but for teams such as ourselves, we're requiring a player to hit the ground running and help us win today, tomorrow, and all the way through the rest of the season and ideally into the playoffs. You're, you want to know all of the, the landscape of the information around those players. There were players we pursued at the deadline who either were on the DL who, or who we knew were currently hurt, and we factored our our level of what we were prepared to trade to get those players into those trades, not knowing the information does impair the team that is trying to acquire the player. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Another injury that certainly has a massive impact on this club is Byron Buxton. Uh, and and anytime you lose him for a day, the team is impacted. But how, as you look around, are you situated to, to withstand the impact of his loss on what could be 
uh, at minimum a couple of weeks, could be longer than that. Well, two things I'm not going to underestimate here is the impact of losing Byron Buxton, but also that, that we, we've got to move on. You know, we, we've got no to, other choice. Yeah, no other choice. We we're past the trading deadline, and quite frankly, even if we weren't, I'm not sure there was somebody who's going to walk through the door and be able to put on his jersey and fill his shoes. So, you know, we're we're in a position where we are blessed that Eddie Rosario can play center field, Max Kepler can play center field, Jake Caves back up here and can play center field. So, the next line of defense, the way we built this team, the next line of defense was always on the roster. Uh, now, you hate to minimize the talent pool you have because I think Rocco's just done such a, a fabulous job of rotating these guys through. Not having Byron Buxton as a guy rotating through our nine spots on the field impairs this team without question. Uh, I, almost equally what he does on the field is just the spiritual leadership this guy but provides. His presence changes everything tangibly. I, I, I feel, you feel, I feel the level of energy is uplifted mm-hmm. when Byron Buxton's on the field. I mean, his smile is electrifying, and it's energizing when you're kind of going through the lull in a game. You see him do something spectacular so often on the base pass or in the field, and quite frankly, since he's come back, it's been at the plate mm-hmm. too. We're going to miss all of those things, but we've got to go on. We've got to ferry forward. We've got to put ourselves in a position that when he's ready to go, we're ready to go. And I told him the other day, we've got nothing left in his bucket for the season but happiness and glory and merriment because he's he's emptied out all the other stuff. So, like, when he comes back, we're ready to go full tilt with him and have an absolute blast and glorious finish to the season because he's, he's already fulfilled all the other quotas. Let's Hap- get- happiness? Glory and merriment. Yes, that's, that's all the he's got left. You're going to get. That's all, all, all he's got left for the rest of the season, and he's got the bucket. The bucket is brimming forth with that. All right, lots of merriment brimming through our bucket. Our bucket will continue to runneth over when we return to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. That'd be good to have in your bucket as well. Made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. We'll talk kind of a uh, broader vision of how this one trade deadline unfolded from the front office view. That's next on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back. It's Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Dad Levine in studio with us, Twins general manager in the wake of the trade deadline. Before we get to the deadline, uh, I want to talk about a subject that I don't think probably has gotten enough discussion. There are still ways to acquire players. And there is a whole Byzantine set of rules as to who and what. You can trade minor leaguers, but not if the minor leaguer has been in the big leagues. Explain a little bit that, because we just saw AAA just brought in about five dudes. Jeremy Zoll is right now name-tagged with Sharpies right now. Because you can still acquire talent that has been in the major leagues, just not this year. So we, we made a lot of these changes, I think, in large regard because the previous version was too confusing for the fans, and I think we've now <laughs> replaced it with something maybe less confusing but more convoluting. It's a, so we, there are two ways we can acquire players right now. As you just mentioned, we can acquire guys who are on minor league contracts who have not been on major league contracts all year. So these would be guys who are just matriculating through the minor leagues probably in two forms. One is the veteran minor leaguer who maybe has had some time in the big leagues who just has not gotten up to the big leagues this year. Brandon Barnes. Brandon Barnes, Alejandro Deaza, some guys that we've acquired recently to bolster our outfield defense and and offense in AAA. The second type is a prospect. You know, we we still can trade guys who have yet to mature to be on a 40-man roster. Uh, Probably most realistically would be like an electric arm that you'd want to go try to acquire from another team. You'd have to pay dearly for it. 
and a guy that you think could come up and help you in the big leagues at some point this season. The other way we can acquire players right now is since you cannot trade a player who is on a major league deal this year, if any of those players get displaced from a team's 25-man roster or 40-man roster, they no longer have the ability to trade them. So they have to put them on outright waivers. And if they clear outright waivers, they can either outright them or if they have more than five years of big league service, they're going to have to release that player. So Blake Parker. Blake Parker. Estrubo Cabrera has been put on you know release waivers. So we've seen over the last four to five days a number of players – who have had major league, real major league experience put on outright waivers, we, like any club, can claim them. And if you claim them and you're the priority claiming team, which is to say you're the team with the worst record who ultimately claims them, you just get the player. You, you pay $50,000 and that player is now yours. We haven't seen too many of those players change hands yet, but I think as this month unfolds, we're going to see more and more of those players out there, and I think you're going to see a few of those players move maybe even to non-contending teams as they see value in those players moving forward, but also su- uh, supplementing some of the contending teams' rosters. And as, as injuries happen, I mean, we saw Encarnacion go out. We saw Marcakis go out. We, you know, Byron's hurt right now. You're going to see injuries through August and on into September. As for your experience this year with the one-trade deadline, um, talked to Derek a little bit about it. He said there were some surprises a little bit. Uh, people act shocked that Granke went at the end. But by and large, did you feel that this was a surprising trade deadline for you in any way, shape, or form? Or almost expected? In many ways, I felt it mirrored the offseason in the free agent market. Yeah, I, I would say more more that. I, I would say, personally, the area maybe where we were a little surprised was you always feel like the prices are going to go down closer to the deadline. But that's typically contingent on the fact that there are more players with expiring contracts on the market. This year, there were fewer of those. A lot of the players that we, like many teams, were pursuing were guys with control for 2020 and maybe even beyond that. So there wasn't really an urgency for the seller to actually get the best deal they possibly could and trade the player. The other thing I think we experienced was that the devout sellers, the teams that were clearly rebuilding, had done a lot of their divesting themselves of major league talent this past offseason or last trade deadline. So we weren't necessarily shopping in that aisle of the grocery store quite as frequently. Rather, we were talking to the teams that either had aspired to win in 2019 or who definitely aspired to win in 2020. So they were in a, okay, we could move him, but we have to be blown away because if we keep him, we're all right with that too. And furthermore, if we're going to move him, we, we're not really interested in your A-ball prospect. We're interested in your guy who's either in the big leagues already performing or in AAA because we have to be able to sell to our fan base and our owners that this guy's going to impact us in 2020. Well, that's exactly the player we don't want to trade right now because right. we want to maintain our major league strength. We don't want to deal from a strength to service a weakness, and by so doing, mitigate the acquisition we have. And we also don't want to erode the next line of defense. We, like so many teams, we certainly didn't anticipate uh, that Michael Pineda and Byron Buxton and Sam Dyson would get hurt within the first week of August. But you have to think about the preparation associated with that. You have to bolster that next line of defense. You don't want to trade those guys to service another part of the team and then realize you're exposed in August. So the team that had a guy who was controllable, who was a contributor, a good one at a big league uh, level, but was two to three years away in one of those double-A, A-ball lottery tickets, that, that market just wasn't wasn't there. It wasn't as robust, for sure. Yeah. You know, And I think that's more typically uh, the the partner you find where that resonates more is the is the rebuilder. I think there were more teams trying to retool, if I could use the distinction there. The rebuilding team is willing to really peel back, maybe for multiple years before they get good. The retooler is really aspiring to win again very soon. And as we saw, very atypical in the market. Two of the best players moved to the market 
go to two teams that none of us thought were really buyers in mm-hmm. the Mets and the Reds, my guess is those two teams see a vision to actually competing this year, let alone next year. And I would argue that the retooling teams constitute better than two-thirds of, of the league right now. And, and that's exactly right. So if you're aspirational in making trades, uh, there's a very finite number of teams you can just go to in, in a conventional type of trade. So now you're talking about something that's a little bit less conventional. So you're talking about this very logically, and it makes a whole lot of sense. But while it's happening and you're trying to make your team better, is it frustrating for you? Did you have your eyes on some people and then be like, they just wouldn't budge off off the rock or they just didn't want to play at all? Well, I, w- I will say this. like I think the whole trade deadline is set to disappoint in some regards because <laughs> what, you sh- what you aspire to do in a vacuum, uh, l- let's just look at our s- situation specifically. Our aspiration was to improve our bullpen. We felt that was the area where we could make the biggest impact. But beyond that, you, you hope to do more than that. You know, you know, in life, do you aspire to do the least you can do or the most you can do? We aspired to do the most we could do. And I think we ended up doing a heck of a lot more than the least we could do, but maybe something shy of the most we could do. In the context of the trade deadline, without getting into specific names, you end up talking about players that are significant, real impact players. Now, and we're, it, mostly these guys don't ultimately get traded, but there's some flirtation. Uh, that goes on, and we all love a little flirtation from time to time. <laughs> and some of us are better at it than others, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, and so while you're in those flirtatious stages, you still want to keep your eye on like what is our immediate need, and let's make sure we don't get too di- distracted by the prospect of picking up this player that pr- probably has a five percent chance of actually getting traded, and then lose sight of the fact that we missed an opportunity to help the team where it was needed most. We did do that. I don't think we uh, we accomplished the other thing, which was you know walking through the door with a guy who is going to massively change the fortunes of our franchise. I will say this: I, I think we we tallied it up about 38 different players in our franchise, major league and minor league, were asked for in trades. I think that speaks volumes to what our player development guys have done, what our talent acquisition scouts have done to put us in this position. And I think our fans, it's a subtle thing, but I think they should be really excited about that. Because really, when you're on these markets, one of the things you're trying to gauge, it's really not up to us as the, the, the buyer in this situation to, to try to determine the value of our players. It's really for the other teams to determine the value of our players. I think what we heard resoundingly at this trade deadline was that we have a lot of players that are very attractive to other teams. That's going to give us the latitude, whether it's this offseason, next trade deadline, to do some meaningful things to continue to help this franchise. Or those guys that you still have could be the one walking through the door to change the fortunes of a major league team in the not-too-distant future. We'll take a break. One more uh, segment. We'll come back, chat about kind of what's going on today. Nelson Cruz, the streak he's on, and more. The flirtation with merriment continues with Ed Levine on your home for Twins Baseball. This is the uh, Inside Twins program. It's brought to you by Killebrew Rooter, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. And speaking of legends, Jerry Bell joins the Twins Hall of Fame coming up uh, as part of our Down Reality pregame lineup card. The man who helped get Target Field built. Maybe even more importantly before that, helped get the Lee County Sports Complex built and get the Twins out of Tinker Field. We'll hear from all sorts of folks about that. And then, of course, Twins trying to sweep their eighth series of the year. Thad Levine is in studio. Are you in any Hall of Fames? I am not. I'm not. I... When I'm when I'm around these guys, I mean, what an honor to just hear. Cool, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tremendous, and they they've been around this whole weekend. I know the fans have gotten to touch and feel these guys for their whole careers, but even for us in the front office, we're fans first, and just getting to be around TK and I was just in the office with TK, Brad Radke, and Michael Kadir, and the stories they tell, it's just remarkable. We're lucky we got you down here because I would not have left that group <laughs> yeah. to join me in studio uh, last night post game. Rocco said, and this is a, I'm paraphrasing his quote about Nelson Cruz. My vocabulary is not good enough to describe what he is doing. You are 
Mr. Johnny Lexicon in the front office here. So is your vocabulary, do you have the words to describe what Nelson Cruz is doing? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's marvelous. I mean, he, w- what our fans are getting to see, I think, is nothing shy of stupendous. I mean, this guy may have a chance to get to the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to have a really strong resume uh, come the end. But you're talking about a 39-year-old man who, in the middle of the season, has only gotten stronger I think we were wait, all waiting to see if he went on a run this year. And while you're admits the run, it's it's nothing shy of spectacular. I mean, what he's doing to baseballs is just downright mean, and he's doing it all over the all over the field. It's it's literally from the right field foul pole to the left field foul pole, and there's a, a you know just majestic shot after majestic shot. I I joked with him this morning and said the ball he hit it high off the wall. We had the ability to submit to MLB rulings on like typically hits or errors i'm going to send one into them to, to see if they'll change that to a home run because we looked on Statcast, that would have been a home run in 27 ballparks it just happened to be one of the three he was playing in was not one of those well you're gonna have to change the wall now obviously <laughs> or maybe build a higher one since he's the only guy who can who can hit it that high and that far we have less than a minute here but quickly a thought uh on devin smeltzer who comes up today uh we're going to hear from rocco on him a bit I'm going to jumble the rotation a little bit as he steps in, but if anybody can handle a little change on the fly, you would think it would be Devin Smeltzer. Yeah, I start the conversation. What a great job by our pro scouts. He ends up being one of the pieces in the Brian Dozier deal last year. They identified this kid. He was in the bullpen for them. They thought he could start for us. He has done that. Ice water through the veins. Obviously had a ton of adversity as a kid battling cancer, and I think when he comes up in these spots, which would be very daunting for the most of us, I think he views it as, I've, I've faced more adversity than pitching against the Kansas City Royals on, on Sunday for a chance for a sweep. He brings a different look to our, our pitching staff. He's a touch-and-feel lefty, great command, a great use of, of all of his arsenal, and I, I'm hopeful that he will hit the ground running again today. I would expect nothing, but always great to have you in the studio, Thad. Thank you very much we'll, for having me. We'll check out, see if we can't get you into a Hall of Fame at some point in time. It's uh, Thad Levine, Twins General Manager. It's Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created and legends are made. Pre-game lineup card coming up next. You have been listening Twins to Baseball. Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.